Ray's wife, Angela. I don't even know where she is. She's probably working with the kids somewhere because that's what she does. But she is a, just a wonderful, wonderful person with a heart for the Lord. who works so hard. It's like, oh, my God. I had no idea that she was so full of Jesus. And I got to tell you, guys, we are in. You're in for a, a, a treat. This man right here, Pastor Chris, he has such a love and a devotion for God in this church. Mm. I'm telling you, the six months that I've been working with him, before that, we hardly interacted. We, mm. You know, crisscross. Unfortunately, that's common in the church, mm. right? Crisscross. It's like, oh, how long have you been here? Oh, 20 years. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> but he, he, I'm just so impressed with what he's doing. Anyway, all right, getting to the point here. Uh, 15 years ago, I went to work with the Children's Church, and as we're telling them stories, it occurred to me that why don't we bring these stories to life? I love theater. I love Broadway. I've been a musician all my life. I said, let's give them something to see, feel, and look at. It's not, a, it's not an entertainment. It's a ministry. We are pouring our hearts through in these plays. We're bringing the word of God to, to light. And these children are responding. You can see them when, we're, when the difficulty time comes. They're so intense and serious. And then when the victory comes, they literally jump up and down and shout. You know, for me, I'll give you just a clue why we're doing what we're doing. It's because like 50 years, I've been in the Lord for like almost 50 years now. And I've heard like, I can't, how many messages in 50 years, right? One of the messages that sticks in my heart the most in the 50 years was a preacher brought to life the story of Noah and the ark. And when that ark was, and the grain was coming and the, and the ground was flooding, and the people, after hearing the message of Noah that didn't even respond, are now running to the ark for safety and for deliverance. And the Bible says that God closed the door. I believe God closed the door because he knew Noah wouldn't have, couldn't have the strength to close that door on people. But he closed the door. And when he, he acted out that scene, it was so anointed and so powerful, I've never forgotten it. So every play that we do for these children has something in it that's absolutely mind-catching. Mm-hmm. We're putting in something in them that 20 years from now is going to come back to them. God's going to bring it back to them. For instance... Right, the, the play coming up, what we're going to do is David and Goliath, okay? We've, we take the, one of the biggest men we can find, <laughs> and we dress him up, and we actually put him on top of three or four pallets, mm-hmm. and then cover the pallets with grass, like a, a, a rug, and we give him a big hat. By the time he gets done, this guy's like almost touching the ceiling, and these kids are like, oh my God. So they'll never forget this. You understand what I'm saying? Um, we need, uh, we, we're, we need people, uh, we need guys that can build stages, we need artists, we need clothes makers that can make costumes for us, and uh, of course actors. And I'm almost done. <laughs> almost. <laughs> you, you know when you get up here, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a privilege to get up here. <laughs> If you see Chris's face change, let me know, okay? That means the hook's coming. Anyway. You're doing good, Charlie. Okay. Um, I, I lost my You're dream before. Some of the things that I got to tell you is going to happen. One, in these, we need people for all different parts, but one of the most important things 
that's always kind of a little bit of a struggle. We need people that could just be part of the crowds that are involved in these plays. Not a whole acting, not a whole lot of acting ability, but very, very important, and necessary. There's a sign up table in the back. Please uh, sign up, and and we'll contact you. And if you're out in uh, the internet, contact somebody here. And uh, I'm telling you, we have so much fun doing this. It's, it's crazy. And we're so blessed. Uh, one time after getting ready to do a show, I looked at I passed Pastor Ray in the, in the hallway. And I said, Pastor Ray, are, are we allowed to have this much fun? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he was like, yep. And I'm going to tell you, you make so many friends. I can't tell you how many acquaintances and friends we've made through these plays. And uh, we're just going to do something really fun and exciting for God. Awesome. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. So the greater vision of this, he's got a little passion, huh? Right? The charisma there. Yeah. God installed passion there. But it's exciting to see where this goes. Uh, as you can see some of the pictures, if you want, real quick. Uh, the greater vision is, too, to get a lot of these churches together and partner and support uh, this ministry, Living, what is the name again? Theater, right? Okay, Living Scripture Theater, and find a home for this production company in downtown Providence. So what does that mean? That means this is turning into an evangelistic opportunity, by all means, for churches to come together. And I've seen it more than ever where they are starting to come together uh, to help build His kingdom together. So thank you, Charlie. But yes, yeah, sign-up table in the back. Uh, we've just got a rich history with Charlie and his team of building uh, and putting on some great productions over the years, and um, it's only upward from here, as I said earlier. Whew. I need to be a house of prayer, God says, or as Jesus said that too, you know, not of always just great messages, but just a house of prayer. Can we just come together right now, and, and, and I think we can just jump in right now, because we need to pray for the people of Florida right now, and also I just heard on the news over a soccer game in Indonesia, 130 people passed away over a soccer match of feuds, and boy, I know we love our patriots, but <laughs> it's not worth death, a sports match by any means. So if you just want to pray, certainly with the people of Florida, and I know South Carolina got hit, but I, I, many of you have just seen the results of Hurricane Ivan, and just want to come together in a corporate prayer here and enter into the throne room of God. Heavenly Father, oof, your majesty is greater than any other name that we sang about earlier. Your name of Jesus is power and might. Lord, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, this storm of Ivan was not designed by you. And we believe through this tragedy that your glory will shine. Material things are lost and can be replaced, but lives, they're your treasures, Lord. And we just ask for the families that have been victim of loss and just speak the name of Jesus over their life, peace over the life, and wisdom, and let your glory shine where it can shine. Lord, we just pray for the leaders, whether political or in government or other organizations down there right now, to give them wisdom to expedite and do what needs to be done as we come together as a nation to focus in on those people that have been affected, Lord. And we just pray for the churches in the area, Lord, 
This is their time to arise, Father God. Empower them through your name, Father God, to share the light, whether by handing things out or witnessing or praying or whatever needs to be done, Lord. Just make their path clear through the Holy Spirit of how they can be a beacon to their communities right now and restore what's going on. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray for the people in Indonesia, Lord, that just devastating, surprising loss of life over something simple as a sporting event, Lord. We value, we value life as you value life. They are all your creation, Father God. We just pray for peace over that nation right now and let your will be done and your kingdom come in heaven as it is in earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. Okay, I am going to bring a message. Whew. The title, and it kind of goes into some of what Pastor John was saying earlier, so it's neat how the Holy Spirit works, but the title of this message is called Islands, okay? It's called Islands. And the anchor idea for today is intentionally or not, we can all find ourselves on islands that isolate us from God and others, which can also keep us from growth in many areas that a God is leading us in in our life. The anchor scripture for today is Proverbs 8.1. Uh, just using the Amplified today, it says, He who willfully separates himself or herself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound judgment. Islands. But first, before I dive into islands... I need to, we need to talk about what I'm not talking about when I say the word islands today. So can we do this simple exercise? I don't know who's in the booth back there. Is that Brian or is anybody in the booth? Oh, Mike, you're, okay, great. So can I just invite you to close your eyes? We don't force anybody here at Faith Christian Center to do anything, I hope. But can I invite you to close your eyes? We're going to talk about the islands I'm not going to talk about today. So we can get this out of the way and get the distractions of what I'm doing. Close your eyes for just a minute, if you can play that for a minute. So I am not talking about Caribbean islands. I'm not talking about Block Island. We're not even talking about Hawaiian islands, because a lot of us may drift there today when I say the word islands. Okay? You can cut that by now. You can open your eyes. Some of your mothers aren't opening your eyes yet, so I know you're still wanting to be on these islands, so follow me. Just take your time to open those eyes, mothers, but I understand. But I just want to say, these are not the islands we're going to be talking about today in the short amount of time we have. Like I said earlier from the top, we're going to basically be talking about a spiritual aspect of islands that we create, man-made, in our life when things go wrong in our life. You see, I think there's two main things that can happen in our lives that push us into an island. One is a paramount event, right? It could be a loss of something, a loss of a loved one, a spouse, a loss of a child. Or it could be just behavioral or practices that you, you do in your daily rhythms of life that are leading you to islands. 
But no matter how you got to that island that you're on, they all have one thing in common, isolation. It's pretty much the landlord of that island. However you got there, isolation owns that space that you're residing on at this point. And please, where we're going into today, this is no condemnation. You guys realize this in life, right? Everybody is somewhere. I know I've said that before. You need to realize that. Everybody is somewhere. And because they're not where you are, doesn't mean judging or whatever or condemnation. Again, we're all called to come together. But this message is not about condemnation because these are real things that put people on islands. But as we're going to see through the course of this, sometimes we really don't realize where we are sometimes. But we have the, the, the catastrophic of paramount events. You've lost a, a loved one. You've lost a job. Uh, you've lost the income. Um, again, the behaviors, other ways you can get to islands through your practices and behaviors. Um, we prayed about it earlier, alcohol abuse. You know, there's somebody with alcohol abuse going on in your life, and even though they live within a family that sees what's happening, and when they are mentioned, when they were addressed the issue in love of what's hopefully what's happening, folks that are abusing something go to that island because they see nothing wrong with it, right? And they don't see the effects. It's co- it's co- con- it, the effects that are happening on the families around them. Because they think they have control over that. Other behaviors are just self-esteem issues. That you don't think you could do something that God's maybe calling you to do. You go to that retreat, that island that you want to stay on. But either way, however you get on these islands, isolation owns you at that point. And isolation is like a cancer. Isolation is very different than solitude. That's why we got the nice Caribbean music out of here. Solitude, rest, relax. We're talking about islands that are holding you back from things in life. Let's start into the Bible real quick and just go through a few stories in the Bible that are well known, but I believe they're they're indications of islands. And most of the stories we'll go through quickly um, are people that landed on that island and some didn't get off as we'll find out. Genesis 3, 7 through 9. We know this one well. We talk about this one well. This is, a, this is in Eden, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is where it all began. The first man-made island happened. In verse 7, it says, At the moment, their eyes were opened. So again, we know. I'm trying to get ahead of things here. You know what happened, right? Adam and Eve shared of the knowledge of the good evil of the fruit. Their eyes were open, right? Because of the serpent selling this idea to them. And then suddenly they felt a shame and their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid, isolation, from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, And said, the famous question that we know, that rings to each and every one of you actually, where are you? Where are you? See, I believe when those fig leaves were being sown and shame was starting to wear in, they were starting to make this man-made island to be separate from God, to be separate from God. I believe that's one of the first man-made islands ever made. 
God knew where they were when he asked the question. I know Pastor John has mentioned this example too. But he needed to hear from them their coordinates of where they were spiritually. We get another person we can talk about is Gideon. We know Gideon very well. You have um, in Judges the, the Israelites, and they're in the promised land, but they start really deuniting with each other, putting up their own gods together, creating these different little islands, and actually living in caves. Uh, they've really turned from God and his covenant of what was originally given to them. So you have all these different people in the, in the Israelites and judges, and one of the men is Gideon, and he's even hiding in a cave. Let's say it's an island right now. They're all different islands. The difference from Gideon, from Adam and Eve, I believe, is that he knew where he was. You see, God can reach you when you know where you are, Right? But on islands and generally, if you do not address and know where you are, God can't reach you because your will is covering the shoreline. Your will is covering that shoreline. So God basically knew that there was hope with Gideon to come off this island and found him in a wine press. And the first thing that God said to him to begin to pull him off on an island was Gideon, you mighty man of valor. We know this, right? So it got Gideon's attention. But then God knew that it, worked hard, it was a hard work for him to get to these islands, meaning Gideon. So it was going to also be some W-O-R-K to get off of it too, right? So he said, Gideon, I trust you. You need to come off these islands. This is a great promised land. These Mennonites that are coming down on you, the Midianites, excuse me, that are coming down on you, you can defeat them with my help. But you need to come together. And he called him to have the, the remaining people in the, the Israelites to come together and pull down their idols, which was not an easy thing to do, but they had to work for it. They came together, and we know the end of the story, that God helped them victorious to reclaim their, their inheritance, which was the promised land. But he was on an island. He was on an island. How about Peter, our beloved, we fast forward, Peter, our beloved disciple. <laughs> he thought he loved Jesus more than everybody. But what do we know what happened when he went to the cross? He denied Jesus three times, not just one time. And it was even predicted. He told Peter. Jesus told Peter this was going to go down. But I believe Peter started making islands, this man-made island, where he couldn't warrant any judgment and become isolated when he cut the ear off of that servant priest that came to get Jesus in that garden. And from there, the crucifixion was in motion. So here you have Peter like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. Look what I've done. He begins to isolate himself spiritually to where even a little girl came up and said, hey, Mr. I thought you were with Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's on an island. I'm not with Jesus. I'm not. He's isolating himself. He's doing in what we just learned in Proverbs 8, 1, not listening to anything around him. Sound wisdom, sound anything else, and he was isolated to his own doing. You see, on islands, when you're doing it, the only truth is the truth you believe. That's it. Because you're secluding it to yourself. But thank the Lord when Jesus did what he said he was going to do 
And he saw Peter once again after the resurrection, what happened? He was able to forgive him and say, no, you are one of mine. Come off this island, basically. Come off this island. Another person in the Bible we know well, but I, reading through the book of Job, so you know who we're about to talk about, I don't think he finds himself on an island. He gets really darn close, and he should have. How many have bad days? We all believe we do until you read the book of Job. Until you read the book of Job, right? Let's look at Job's bad day. Can we go to Job 1, 13 through 24, please? One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabines raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmlands, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, so you can just see Job sitting up in, I don't know, he's a, it's this way I think I'd start sitting down a little bit, but he's listening. So then another messenger comes in. While he was, the messenger was still speaking, another messenger comes in and arrives with the news, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, I think I'm laying down at this point, the messenger, another messenger arrived, and so this news, three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one that escaped to tell you. Okay, all right, I can get through this. Wait, wait a minute. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in the older brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. <laughs> yeah, he reacted. <laughs> Job stood up. So see, he was sitting down. So he stood up and tore his robe in grief and then shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb. I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I have. Oof. And the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. How many of us just watch CNN and Fox, sorry, Fox News, CNN, whatever, and all these guys and just blame God even just in these news clippings? He had a bad day right there. But yet he refused to go on an island of isolation and accuses God of what devastatedly happened to him. He had every right to by all human instinct. And then he was doing good, and as we know further in Job, and we don't have time to go through it and read it, he's got some best buddies that show up at the house too to t tell him he's a sinner and he's going to basically, this is all because he's been sinning and they are not encouraging him at all. But he, did, he had some wavering moments, but he didn't go isolate into an island. And I, because he did that, God was able to meet him where he was at the end and show him all his majesty. And he approached him to give a realization like, excuse me, were you around when I created the earth? 
Were you here when the earth was made and all these things you've lost you think are greater than what I am, God Almighty, have done for the human race? (laughs) Puts him in his place and then he restores him. He restores him because I believe some of his restoration came because he finally identified the majesty of God and how great our God is and how some of us need to be remembered to that sometimes, especially when you're having bad days. Is is what going on in your life is resulting in the result of your eternity right now? Flat tire on the way home. One of you may get a flat tire on the way home. I'm not a prophet, but you may get a flat tire on the way home. How do you handle that? Do you resort to that island of what our behaviors had and anger and things like that? At the end of the day, what does that flat tire really mean to the eternity of your soul and how that relates to where you're heading? Speed bumps, basically. Speed bumps. So I, for myself, I, and this was many years ago, and I believe I've blown up my island, but just to share in vulnerability, I had an island was called Pride. I did. It was called Prideful Island. It had a nice palm tree on it, you know, and I would swim to it often because, you know, I needed to be right in certain situations. And my wife says amen wherever she is. So no, I'm just kidding. No, not in marriage, but in any, every aspect you know, I don't know how I would last it through the last three years if I had this pride island. I don't know. I'm glad I don't go there anymore in Jesus' name. But I would swim to it when I had to be right over something. I would isolate myself and say, no, I don't care what you're saying. I know this is that and this should be that and I'm right. And by the way, that means you're wrong. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So I had, to get rid of, I had to get off that island and really recognize who God really is, kind of back what in Job we were just talking about, that almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, uh, he actually knows everything and I don't. So um, we blew up that island a long time ago and I am happy about that. But some of you are dealing, and we prayed about it earlier, you're dealing with abuse and hurt. These are real things, real things but they put you on an island if you're not careful. They put you on an island. You see, this island, like I said earlier, is something we get on intentionally or not and separates us from God, but also separates us from other people. It's quiet in this house. But hurt, abuse, and as I mentioned earlier, addictions, However, as we know, having church this morning, and I heard the word a few times, and I wanted to mention it too, we have a God that is a deliverer, right? There's a, new, there's a song, a worship song that's really been speaking to me over the last year, saying, if I know one thing, my God's a deliverer. If I know one thing, he's going to see us through. Never alone in the desert, he'll see us through. Never alone in a fire, he'll see us through. Never alone in a valley, he'll see us through. He'll see us through. Never alone on an island, he'll see us through. 
If I know one thing, one thing, our God is a deliverer and he cares for each and every one of us, each and every one of us. So there's hope if you're on islands. There is, there's hope. We'd call it rescue, get me off the island. You know, there was that, uh, an on, I don't know if it was a joke or just somebody formulated, but I've heard over the years. So this, this man passes away, gets to heaven, and he sees God, and God's like, oh, just shakes his head. He's like, what? He's like, well, you, didn't, you didn't even save me. I was marooned on this physical island. Some of you may know this. He says, well, I had a big yacht come by, but you didn't want to swim out. I had a helicopter come over, but the ladder was too long for you. Like I said, if you're on islands, it's not going to be magical. The power in the name of Jesus works, but it may cause you to reach or swim to something to get to where the rescue is at times. And God can heal and lead in those moments of doing that. Getting back to a deliverer, let's just talk about him. Psalm, I mean, King David read this many times in Psalm 107, 28. Just crying out to God. This is how you can be rescued. Lord, help. They cried in their trouble and he saved them from distress. But remember, the first part of being rescued, like I said earlier, is to know where you are. Answering the question God said in Eden to Adam and Eve, where are you? You need to answer that. I am on an island. (laughs) I am hopelessly on an island. Because then God can move in your life when you know where you are first. When you know where you are first. And crying out to Him. In 2 Timothy, can we go to that? 4.18. Yes, and the Lord delivered me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. In these islands... The enemy trolls the shore sometimes, speaking lies to you that you are believing as truth. It's part of that evil attack in Timothy. He will deliver you. He will deliver you. He will deliver you. Some of your rescue may come from the not original suspects that you would think of how you're going to get off that island, whether it be trust in something like, oh, I have financial problems, I just need more money. If I can only win the lottery, right? But that may not be the answer. It may somewhere be what el- something else God is working in your life. But you need to build a trust in him and cry out to him. So some of you folks in the online and in the room, Pastor Chris, that's nice, exciting message, but I ain't on no island. I'm not. I'm not. I believe in Jesus. I've had these things happen. I've made sure I'm not on an island. Um, You know, this is a nice message. But this message is for you as well because here's my second part to you. As I said originally, uh, people who are on islands are isolated not only from God, but also isolated from people. Some of the rescuing that that God wants to do in your life may involve people. So if you're not on an island and you're truly following Christ, this is no condemnation. (laughs) 
But if you're truly following Christ, you're not consuming Christ. You're truly following Christ. And you know it's not about you in the following then I guarantee you God is going to call you to rescue others around you that are on islands, and especially in a church community, especially in a church community. Remember the track we, that I've talked about before? We get saved, we come to an altar here or in a room or wherever, you know, we accept the gift of eternal salvation, and we begin that relationship with God, phase two, and in that relationship we learn that we just need to follow And we follow him, and through that, obedience grows, and trust goes. And then God eventually says, hey, I trust you now to become in the image of Christ too. Well, no matter if you're following or you're becoming in the image of Christ, wherever you are in that, God's going to put some people in front of you to rescue. Because in those two phases, he trusts you to do that. But you need to lead with love when you do that. Because, see, you're on the mainland. You're where God, you are on the mainland at this point. You can see this by the Holy Spirit. Passing people by that may just have a smile, but they may be marooned on an island. You're called to that. But you need to be prayerful. You don't have to take ten life preservers and start jumping in the water. You need to make sure your, your steps are ordained by God along the way, right? Because we don't need... Some crazy Christians swimming the opposite way and drowning themselves before they can rescue somebody. I didn't say that totally out loud, but hey, I I'm, could be one who knows, but yeah. I mean, you just look at Jesus in Matthew, I believe it was Matthew 18. He was very much focused on a one sheep that left and to go after, that it's worth going after that one sheep. And there's no condemnation. Those who are on islands are either there by behaviorals or major paramount events that none of us maybe have had, so we can't understand. But we do know a God that doesn't abandon and can go rescue. But we do have that in common. We do. Each of us are precious in His sight. Each of us. Each of us. People have heard this famous quote, no man is an island unto himself. No man is an island unto himself. <laughs> Eve, Adam. It was just Adam. And then God say, it ain't good. He didn't use ain't, but that's one translation. Good for man to be alone. He made Eve. We are meant to be together in a community of believers. We are the family of God, but we do community. Community is always helping one another, looking out those doors evangelistically, shining the light in our other communities, busy being about our Father's business and not sitting on the couch and say, oh, Uncle Ed's always been like that. He's part of our family. No, we're here to be busy. We are the family of God, but we do community. Because each of us, as I said earlier, somewhere in life. Somewhere in life. But no man is an island. Guys look way too serious here. Way too serious. But this is important. It is important. Very important. So let's review just real quickly here. 
we can intentionally, this anchor idea, we can intentionally or not end up on islands. And that can be okay, but if we stay on them for too long, it begins to isolate us from God and people and potentially the growth that God wants to put, have us grow in our lives for the greater good, for the greater good. I've also noticed one other thing. When my comfort level is challenged or I'm at the edge of uncomfortability, ooh, usually when I step off to that and that uncomfortability, growth begins to happen in some area of my life. So get prepared if you get uncomfortable. It may be God leading you somewhere to bring growth in your life. And on islands, you may have, if you don't swim, he may ask you to dive in, (laughs) to swim away from that island. But just trust him. Trust him. God knows where you are. And again, nothing good can come out of isolation. The enemy uses that over and over and tells lies, even to the point that Isolation is a form of protection. It isn't. Don't, don't read into that lie. There's nothing... Just see what Adam and Eve did with their leaves and, <laughs> and what they had to do. There's no protection in isolation. God has designed you with a greater purpose than to be isolated on an island. You are his chosen generation, his holy priest. And yes, things happen and put us on islands. But don't stay on it. Some of us have been on islands too long where we've been building structures on them and decorating them for the holidays. Don't live on islands. Don't. But as those of believers who may not be on islands, and everybody was on an island at some point, but if you're not right now, again, in review, we're talking, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because there's plenty of people on islands around you whether in our church community, whether in your daily marketplace, the rhythms you do in life, at family and home, whatever, they're out there. So be sensitive to that. We learned in our prayer uh, time on Wednesday, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to witness. Well, just ask if you can pray for somebody. It goes a long way. Can I pray for you? Even people you don't know. I think an atheist might bow his head. Just you don't know. Step out and find out and let God do it. The greatest life raft when you're on an island is transparency. It really is. Be honest to God. Be honest to the people around you. We need honesty. Transparency is so key. So key. You guys are looking too serious. Can you stand? <laughs> Jeez. No, I understand. This is a very... And I believe Holy Spirit topic, even from earlier, what Pastor John was praying for. So, now let's get a little uncomfortable. I need you to put your arm on the shoulder to the left or to your right. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for a few minutes here. Because there are people in this church community that are on islands. They're on islands. And we're here for you. Heavenly Father, you are God Almighty. Thank you for loving us so very much and never wanting to strand, keep us stranded on any islands in our lives. Well, through your Holy Spirit, we want to overwhelm us with your love, Father God. Overwhelm us. Overwhelm us, Father God. 
that you care for us, Father God. That you will go to that one sheep in the pasture, Father God, even out of 99 that are in front of us. All of us are precious in our sight. Lord, as the world continues to go darker, we need to be more together than anything else. And we pray against the seduction of division, Lord. It's just a seduction. And let us come together in unity, in unity under you. Let us be be able to bear one another's burdens, Father God. Because it says, Jesus even said this, if we do that, the church will know your love and know who we are. Because it's not what the world is doing right now. Father, if you're, we just pray. Those that are on islands, you know where they are. They know where they are. Help them identify with that. Put people in their path that are going to love on them. And maybe even challenge them at times in love to jump off that island. Lord, for some of us, we may just need to tear down the structures that are on that island first and just start swimming in faith to leave these islands that have caused so much isolation in our life. Let your mysteries be our guide at times for it allows us to continue to be in a state of childlike faith, saying, Abba, Father, what is next in our life? I trust you. Lord, as people in our church community, we, just, we, need, we commit to be available. We do. We step out to be available to one another right now. Even leaving the sanctuary, if somebody asks how you're doing and you're on an island, say, I'm on an island. <laughs> Don't say fine and walk out the door. Let's be for one each other. Each of, be with each other in this moment, Lord. Because it's only through your Holy Spirit that continue to lead this and nurture it and bring healing to the hurt. And as we sang earlier, in the name of Jesus, break any bondages and chains, may they be lifted and rooted in those grounds, be pulled up and bring freedom to those that need that freedom. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Just one confession, just repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. You did it for me. Thank you that if I ever wander, that your Holy Spirit will speak to me and guide me back to you. As a person at FCC, I will keep my eyes open and my spirits open to be sensitive to those around me. Let your will be done. Your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we declare. Amen.